This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by The Athletic. Theathletic.com. If you go to The Athletic right now, you can subscribe for as low as $2.99 a month with using the code BLUESHIRTS. It's theathletic.com slash BLUESHIRTS. The Athletic is the all-in-one place for all things sports. They hired literally everyone worth anything in sports, sports journalism. And as you know, this is not a journalism podcast. We are very much not experts whatsoever. But we support The Athletic. They can actually tell you the real news that we cannot. Also, we are brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. If you want a holiday sweater... They're going quick. Seriously, they are really limited. So if you want them, uh, sign up today or contact us and we'll figure something out. I don't know. Probably sign up. That's probably the right call. And then also, as always, our good friend Nick at EmpiricalDesigns.net. He does a great job. He actually designed the holiday sweater. And uh, check it out. It's fucking awesome. If you need any work done with him, contact him at EmpiricalDesigns.net. He does all your marketing and design logo needs. It's a lot of ads for one minute. Let's get it done. Play the intro music, Ryan. Okay, Ryan. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mean. I'm here as always with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. I will not. Okay, sounds good. Uh, welcome, Rangers Town. There has been a lot that's happened. The team that everyone thought would suck continues to do their job, except when they're at the Barclays Center, where they lose in miserable fashion every single time. The Rangers can't buy a win at the Barclays Center. They never have, and I'm not sure they will... This year or the next year or the year after, I'm not convinced we cannot win there. But everywhere else, Greg, we win currently. It's weird, man. It, it's been a weird season. The, and it's still it's still one of those things where it's been – I think the Rangers are finally at the 20-game plateau. I can't tell if the season is, has felt really short or really long. We've talked about this before, so we don't need to harp no, on this point for a long time. But it, it is one of those seasons where – it both feels like the season just started, and it also feels like the season has been exhausting. Just for reference for everyone listening, somehow uh, we were recording before the Stars game, so want to play a little prediction? What happened tonight? No, I do not. I just know that Stahl Pionk will do something silly again. And can't believe we lost 4-2. Uh, it was tough. We were, it was tied 2-2 going to the third. All right, that's been my prediction. All right. Your, your, your predictions have never worked. No, they never it, have. It's usually, it's usually me just sitting on the podcast being like the Capitals don't want to get injured and they just want to win this game easily mm-hmm. with a prediction. I, I, I'll say um, I'll say the Rangers lose 3-1. to one Okay. And Hank, Hank looks great in the loss. Wow. That's a real, real hot one. I know. Real I know. hot one it's, by you. It's what I do. I just I, – I don't know what to tell you. There's, Nostradamus. There's so much to talk about, but – before we talk about the rest of the actual real stories that are going on around the Rangers, can we just talk and get rid of this non-story of the Nylander trade? I'm not sure it's real. I, I don't want to call out Larry Brooks, and I'm sure there was some talk of trading Brady Shea for Nylander, and maybe Kreider was in that package too, but it just feels like a hey, I need clicks story to me. And maybe yeah, I'm wrong. I, no, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I also think people are just reading the article the wrong way. I think... Not everything Larry Brooks says is necessarily what actually is happening in the Rangers front office. I think we forget that sometimes columnists have to write a column. And by writing a column, you're also reporting opinion. It's not all based on what actually is happening around Jeff Gorton and company. Uh, I don't look, we've said it on this podcast many times, and I still think it remains true. If the Rangers want 
William Nylander, Brady Shea is going to be part of the trade package. I don't think Larry Brooks is reporting anything new or saying anything new by saying, yeah, if the Rangers really want to investigate a Nylander trade, Shea will be part of it. And it makes a whole lot of sense for the Maple Leafs to uh, also want Chris Kreider because he's been the Rangers' best winger. And he's been a monster he's, this year. He's, he's, he's not guaranteed to be part of the Rangers' long-term future. He's young enough where he has obviously high value for the Maple Leafs if they're going to trade a 21-year-old all-world winger. Um, a, a trade offer from the Rangers of Chris Kreider and Brady Shea makes a whole lot of sense. I, I don't know if the Maple Leafs would do that. I think the Maple Leafs could do better in a trade with other teams. And they probably and will. There, I, I don't think there's any merit to this whatsoever. I'm not even sure the, the talks have happened. No, and this this goes beyond Brady Shea getting scratched both uh, against and the we'll, Panthers we'll and possibly that. tonight. We'll get, that in a uh, we'll, we'll get to that. That's that's a whole different can of worms that we need to talk about. But I, it, William Nylander is a player that makes sense for the Rangers long-term because he's a player that makes sense for everybody long-term. But he's a player that makes sense for the Rangers long-term with a guy like Brady Shea also on the roster. The Rangers' defense has been their problem since we started podcasting and before we started podcasting. Trying to figure out how the Rangers are going to address their blue line long-term has seemingly been this team's number one priority since 2014. I don't see a scenario where you can say the Rangers' long-term prospects on the defensive line are good enough where you don't need Brady Shea. We're just not at that point yet. We might get to that point at one point in time, but I don't, I'm not, again, and I've said this on Twitter, it's not to say that Brady Shea is better than William Nylander. It's to say that Brady Shea's role in the New York Rangers is more important than trying to acquire William Nylander. Well, that he's Brady Shea's the piece the Rangers have been looking for. For, the, for a very long time, and they got to sign him for the contract they wanted him to. Yes, he's getting benched tonight, probably. Uh, from what I'm seeing here, uh, again, we're recording before the, the Stars game. It seems like he is not playing. So he's in the Quinn bin. He's going to have a great time taking some time off. And if he comes back and gets the results, I I mean, we've seen the Quinn bin work multiple times. But that doesn't mean correlation proves causation in this situation. It just feels weird that... I know that Shea had one of the worst games possible against the Islanders, but Quinn is really uh, taking it to him. And I guess he liked the way Brendan Smith played against the Panthers because Smith scored and he got out there and tried to prove himself. But statistically and analytically, Smith has not also looked good at all. No, Smith Smith has categorically been bad, straight up. He's been not just the worst Ranger defender this season, but one of the worst 20 defenders in the NHL this season. There's no other way around that point. Um and yeah, he, he scored, but we also, I mean, you and I were watching the game together. We so both of us were kind of watching it out of the side of our eye because we were doing we're, dinner with friends. We were friends giving, becoming pigs. And by the way, I guess uh, this is a good time uh, to say that mashed potatoes is the best thing about Thanksgiving. Yeah, you, I, you, I'm not going to argue you. You and I talked about this afterwards. Mashed potato is my favorite thing. If you take away the turkey and just give me mashed potatoes and stuff I can put the mashed potatoes with, I will. And it's the best part. Won't be that angry. Um, but... To Smith's point, when he scored the goal, it's almost like everyone forgot that he had a major defensive breakdown that led to a goal before he scored. So, you, you know, you, you get the bad with the good when it comes to Brendan Smith. Um, and as far as the Quinbin goes, uh, we've been getting some flack recently saying that we're too hard on one, David Quinn. One person said this. <laughs> it's not just one person. A couple of people have chirped at us being saying that uh, we're rushing to judgment on Brady Quinn. 
Um, Brady Quinn, yes, the quarterback. Brady Quinn, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, he's terrible. Let me tell you, that's true. Da- David Quinn. People saying we're rushing the judgment on David Quinn. I, I just want to say, I think you and I have been very consistent with. Uh, he's doing some things that look a little fishy, but we're gonna let it go for now. We're just we're making notes. Yeah, that's just, all we're doing. There's some stuff where I'm like, hmm, it maybe go. Hmm, that's interesting that he would choose to make that decision. And I'm allowed to criticize a guy, even if he's new. By the way, if yeah, I, no one's fucking perfect. If like, I if I was a new at a job and I did something wrong, and someone was like, mm, "Man, I don't know, I'm doing a lot of things wrong," even though you're new, they would talk to me. They would be like, "Hey, dude, you're doing a lot of shit wrong now." Well, some people would talk to you. I work with people who, if you're doing something wrong, uh, it would just get, "Oh, well, okay." Mm, uh, okay. Shout out to the, oh, I'm not even, I'm not going any further. I'm not getting not, myself in trouble. Don't get yourself. In trouble. Um, yeah, guys, we're David. David Quinn has done some weird shit. We're not saying he should be fired. We're not saying no he's saying the that. second coming of Elaine Vigno. We're also not going to sit here and say that he's Jesus Christ in coach form. No, like we're, we're, he's he's made some mistakes. He's made he's done some weird shit with rookie centers, and, and then he's done some weird shit with uh, with healthy scratches, including and, Brady Shea, which is how we got on this point. And too many men on the ice uh, multiple times, which was a crisis that. Somehow unfolded. Uh, Brady Brady Shea, by no stretch of the imagination, has struggled the last couple of games. So you can make the argument that maybe Shea needed a week off to get his legs under him. He's still a relatively young defenseman. These these Quinn benchings, we don't know if they're working because of the benchings or if they're just working because, again, players are getting more time in Quinn's system. And it it helps if you can just take a step back and work on your craft without having to worry about a game. We 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 don't know if if one is leading to two or if it's all coincidental because the scratches didn't help Ryan Spooner, right? So it's not like these scratches are batting a thousand. For the most part, they've seemed to help. We can't can't sit here and tell you that Tony D'Angelo hasn't looked great since being inserted into the lineup and. He had to work his ass off in order to get into the lineup and only even at that point got in the lineup because of injuries. Absolutely, uh, but he's, he's looked very good to he touch has. on that for we, a second. We can't tell you that Vlad Nemestikov hasn't looked great or at least the best he's looked as a New York Ranger since he was reinserted to the lineup after an early scratch. Pavel Buchnevich, we've gone over multiple times. Um, but then you also look at Kevin Shattenkirk is still middling. I don't necessarily think he's playing poorly, but I would say that he is not playing up to uh, the level in which we have been accustomed to seeing from Kevin Shattenkirk, veteran NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I would I would say Quinn's bin Quinn's binning is working at like Quinn's a seventy five percent success rate. It's uh, it's just a weird strategy for a coach to bench it, your best difficult. players. Uh, yeah, and and to everyone saying, "Oh, well, Shea deserves a scratch." Sure, that that's fine and good, but again, if these scratches are coming based off effort and not play, it just doesn't make any sense that Mark Stahl is the only New York Ranger defenseman that hasn't been scratched this year for and one reason. Speaking of Mark Stahl another. himself, do you know who wrote about Mark Stahl's trade value today on theAthletic.com? <laughs> I, I do. It is I do, but I'm going to let you tell me more. Our dear friend Rick Carpanello wrote that there is a chance some team out there actually might value Mark Stahl as a top four pairing defenseman if the Rangers eat some salary. And you can read about that at theathletic.com. And if you want to sign up for theathletic.com today, you can go to theathletic.com slash blue shirts. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard sports fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups. 
and know how to play videos. Instead, readers subscribe to The Athletic for in-depth coverage written by journalists like Rick, who's one of the three goddamn beat writers for the Rangers, uh, who know their teams inside and out. And if you're not just looking for Rangers, they cover over 700 sports. You can get it right now at the discounted price from us, $2.99 a month. With the code BLUESHIRTS, it is all on lowercase, theathletic.com slash BLUESHIRTS. There you go. Very well done. You Thank deserve you. a cookie for that. I, I love cookies. And uh, again, not just not just getting Ranger coverage. If you want, we just had Daniel Nugent Bowman on the podcast last name. week Great to name. talk about Spooner Strome, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can read all his pieces at the Athletic Edmonton. Um, I always plug Ken Rosenthal because always, yeah. he's the goat. He's the goat. He's he's still there. He's writing good shit once once again. Um, Anyway, back hey, to before enough, we get enough ads. <laughs> yeah, before we get caught up on Mark Stahl, what I was saying about Brady Shea is uh, I will not sit here and tell you that his last three games, including the Islander game, he was necessarily playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with his struggles in those three games, he has unequivocally been one of the Rangers' three best defenders all year. At the same time, we could sit here and tell you uh, he's been the Rangers' three best defender all year. Sure. It's a very low bar to clear. The defense has not played well. He's still been one of the three best. It's him, D'Angelo, and Clayson. That's the only uh, – the conversation ends there. Do you know what really surprised me In terms of which defenders have been good. I looked up Clayson's age. I was like, 25. Huh. And the Rangers uh, – he is not an unrestricted free agent next year. The, Ra- the Rangers have his rights for next season if they so choose to keep him. You know, I think they picked him up as like a lottery ticket, but he might be someone that could actually play on this team for a couple years. Legitimately. Well, well, yeah, that that's. No, yeah. I, I bet like a lottery <laughs> ticket to, to trade is more of what I meant to say. Sorry. I I, I don't I don't th- I think the Rangers put Clayson up expecting to trade other people, and then they needed a body to fill the lineup. How are you ever his, gonna his underlying numbers in in Ottawa were always decent. He just never got a lot of run for one reason or another. How are we he ever going to trade he was Adam never a butcher. Like, How are we ever trading Adam McQuaid? How did ever. Boston ever trade Adam McQuaid? Yeah. Like, it's no different. They took Nick Holden from us. It was, yeah. a, it was a nice exchange. They didn't, well, they took Steve Camford from us. Mm, well, that, that's, that's really working out for them right now. Yeah, he's speaking. The, one of the few defensemen who have been as bad as Brendan Smith this year has been Steve Camford. And it's uh, – we told you that, Boston. God bless him. God bless him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. The Brady, Brady Shea, this, this falls under the category of – it's interesting that David Quinn decided to scratch Brady Shea. And it's even more interesting that every Ranger defenseman has now been scratched except Mark Stahl, and it just hockey. I think it's really weird because at the beginning of the season, I I remember us both saying, you know, we have eight defensemen, which would allow us to play Mark Stahl one game a week, like two games a week at max, if we have four games, and we could really rest him up and get him to play his best hockey, and he just hasn't sat really ever. (laughs) We, we We had Carp on the podcast, and Carp agreed with us when we said there's no rule that says you have to play Mark Stahl more than 65 games a year. Like even even Carp will be the first one to tell you that he thinks Mark Stahl is an effective NHL defenseman. That doesn't necessarily defeat the point that Stahl's thirty-one. Uh, there have been a lot of miles on those legs throughout the years. He's battled injuries. If 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 the whole Quinn Bin thing is to get players who are struggling fresh and give them time to catch their breath. I, you know, I don't know a Ranger defenseman that could use that more than Mark Stahl. It just seems like, well, uh, man, we talked about this. I just did a Greg noise. That was weird. Yep. Uh, 
I know we talked about this last week, but how do we still have Neil Pionk with Mark Stahl? It's just it, that, yeah. And again, this falls under the category of makes makes you think a little bit about David Quinn. It, it it's not just you don't need to be a graph boy or a chart boy to see that Stahl Pionk fucking struggle together. And, and it's the, it's fine to like play them on the third pairing if that's what you're going with, but you're playing them on the penalty kill. No, and at, at this your, your your top penalty kill unit, nonetheless. Yes. and also. This is the year, even with the Rangers playing well, we've seen Quinn decide to put lines and blenders on a nightly basis. The forward lines seemingly get jumbled regardless of how people are playing. And that's fine because Quinn basically wants to see as many different combinations as possible. Why aren't we doing that defensively? Why? Why is What is it going to take to get Clayson with Neil Pionk? Because this goes beyond, I think people think we're just hard on Neil Pionk. We're hard on Neil Pionk because he's a young guy and he's struggling. In, in his own zone. But we also have a solution that could make Neil Pionk a little better or hide some of his deficiencies, and that's putting him with Freddie Clayson. Like, there's there's no what, – what are we doing? Why aren't we, why aren't we just doing 10 games of Clayson-Pionk to see if it works? I think, we know well, – there's nothing left to see with Stahl-Pionk. No, there it's not really going is. to get better. It's, it might be getting worse, but it's definitely not getting better. Are we We've just wrong as, as sort of uh, not experts thinking that – we're always saying, why don't coaches try this certain thing? And it, they never end up doing what we want them to try. Is it maybe because they see something in practice? Is it just a lo- they're loyal to their guys? I just never, that's what I really don't understand. There's never enough experimentation. Whereas I think with the forward lines, there's too much experimentation. There's not really a balance. People are getting shifted around all the time. Whereas in, on the blue line, there's never like a, a, a chance to experiment and see if something actually clicks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the rationale is. I know Larry Brooks tweeted out that um, th- the la- I, th- I think it's a, it's a crazy number where something like either 10 of the last 13 or all thir- the last 13 power play goals surrendered by the Rangers have come when Stahl Pionk are on the ice together. Yeah, uh, It sure feels like it. Like every time there's a power play goal, I feel like I see Neil Pionk um, away from the man directly in front of the net that is perfectly screening Hank and getting a tip and goal. Uh, that, that's also like it is the, the, uh, the statistic that's like you get in an accident five miles from your house because mostly you're five miles from your house. It's because they're always on the ice. Right. Like I, I just, for, for the life of me, I, I don't know why Stahl Pionk isn't broken up. It This isn't, I mean, you can take it as a criticism of Mark Stahl. You can take it as a criticism of Neil Pionk. I think, I think both is are, things are obvious. Neil Pionk is a highly, highly successful power play f- defenseman from the right-hand side. And I think it's clear that that man struggles defensively right now. That doesn't mean he's always going to struggle. He's 23. A lot of good things can happen with Neil Pionk moving forward. And it's great that he's getting this much ice time in a season where the results aren't super important for him to figure shit out. But then why aren't we helping Neil Pionk as much as we can? And why are we saddling him with Mark Stahl? And the crazy thing is we've seen Mark Stahl with other defenders this year, and he's actually looked decent. So this isn't even like a it's all Mark Stahl's fault point. Those two guys just don't work together. It would be like if I was podcasting with a fucking elephant. Like 
I like elephants. Elephants might like me. That doesn't mean we're going to make a good podcast. Are you sure? Are you sure? I would probably listen to that. Uh, we can try it at some point. That'll that'll be a bonus episode we'll do where I'm just on the podcast nice talking with fucking uh, Dumbo. I'll have a soundboard. Uh, let's go over to the trade that the Rangers made. We kind of did an emergency podcast on this Friday night because we're real losers we, and have no friends. We, we kind of did. We, we did an emergency podcast on it Friday night because I need to I need to get into meetings. Uh, I Not like whatever, business meetings. No, like uh, Gamblers Anonymous meeting. For whatever reason, I had the world's biggest itch to go play some poker. And I'm texting Ryan all day like, dude, I'm going to try and get us a writer from Edmonton that we can podcast with just so I have something to do that isn't going to the casino. And in and, that moment, and, I realized I have a problem. And like a good friend, I sacrificed my time after my canceled date <laughs> <laughs> to, to spend yeah. good time other, with you. Other things I did on Friday to avoid going to the casino, I went to go order a pizza but did not order ahead. Um, so I knew it would take at least 20 minutes to make. I then ordered a complicated pizza so I knew it could add an extra 10 minutes on top of that. And, I just uh, picture you going around your apartment sweating, like, oh no, <laughs> I gotta add time to this pizza. I, I, I took a 35-minute shower um, just to, cool. again, kill 35, well, first of all, hot showers when it's cold outside are fucking phenomenal. That's true, yeah, good thing. Uh, and, and then I went over to a friend's house at 11 o'clock because she lived far enough away where she wasn't getting me closer to the casino and it would be out of my way to then go to the casino. Yeah, good move by you. Proud of you. Thank you. Proud Thank of you, you, by the way. I, 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 I think I did. I, I, knew what I, I knew what I had to do. Cool. I, I had to find ways to not gamble. We and leave I, for I Europe in 17 gamble. days and I can't wait to see what we do. That's part of the reason why I didn't yeah, really I know, gamble. I know, I know. Anyway, All right, uh, Ryan Strom is the New York Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ryan Strom, former Islander. Number former former top pick of the Islanders. He was sixth or fifth, one of them. Fifth, he fifth, was fifth, fifth overall, and then he went to Edmonton, signed for three point one million, and the Rangers traded Ryan Spooner for him. Yep, and just remember the Oilers traded Jordan Eberle for Strom, so the Rangers basically traded Ryan Spooner for Jordan Eberle. Let's let's think of it that way. Uh, so we need to get Jordan Eberle. Uh, that'd, be, that'd, be nice. that'd be super nice. Um, uh, instead, uh, we're going to be with Ryan Strom. I like it as a wild card, as a, as a lottery yeah. ticket. Could be yeah, fun. I, we'll see how it goes. This is this is the perfect season for the Rangers to get young-ish forwards or defensemen and yeah. just figure out if there's anything there. Strom could get traded this offseason. Like, it all could happen. I, I, I think Strom could get traded again this season if he plays well. The underlying, and we talked about this with uh, Daniel. Again, you guys can go listen to that entire 16-minute podcast where we talk specifically wow. about this. Really trade. depth. Um, the, he's, a, he's a 25-year-old winger where his underlying numbers were actually pretty good playing in Edmonton, he had two points because maybe because he was he was tied playing to Milan Lucic and Milan Lucic is a black hole. Uh, the, the reason why we really like to trade, a 25-year-old winger has the ability to play on the right side alongside someone like Brett Howden or Elias Anderson. So he's making your third and fourth lines better just by not being Cody McLeod when everyone is healthy. Uh, and the other reason why we like it is I, I don't think there was anything left to be discovered in Ryan Spooner's game. But for hey, whatever reason, they took him because of his speed. <laughs> for whatever reason, Trailers Ryan Spooner was not working in David Quinn's system. No, and uh, it the the to sign Ryan Spooner to a two year deal this offseason, I, I think you and I were a little we we didn't hate it, but we were perplexed by it. It just felt we, like we were giving everyone two year deals so we could have three chances to trade him. That's always been my theory. It won't go anywhere else. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, 
I remember at the time of the signing, I was more perplexed why Ryan Spooner would want a two-year deal as opposed to settling for a one-year contract and hitting free agency this summer. Mm-hmm. I now understand why he would want a two-year deal because he played poorly. Uh, how much of that was the Rangers' deployment of him? He's a guy that needs heavy sheltering uh, out of the defensive zone, and the Rangers, for the most part, I think we're sticking with Kevin Hayes, and Hayes is an all-zone player. So not exactly the world's most perfect union there. Um, but again, I, the expectations for me personally for Strom are extremely low. If he can add a bit of a, uh, an intensity to the bottom three lines with ev- whichever rookie center he's playing with and provide an upside of talent for my rookies to play, he's better than whatever Leah Anderson would be playing with in Hartford. So I'm all for it. Like if Leah Anderson's only going to get 10 minutes a night, Let's get him 10 minutes a night with talented forwards or at least talented relative to the amount of time they have on the ice together. I think Strom is better than anyone the Rangers would have in Hartford to play with Leas. So I am completely comfortable making that trade uh, and figuring out what Strom is. If Strom blossoms, great. If he trade turns him. into anything, it's, it's going to be a huge win for the Rangers. Uh, and, I, I don't, I, and, and, I, and Strom, to me, is kind of like Jimmy Vesey where I don't even see – like, if the Rangers trade him, great. If they don't trade him, that's fine. That kind of player has value on a rebuilding team because he's he's good enough not to be in the minors, and he's not great enough to pay again. So, fine. Whatever. It's fine. A year and a half of Ryan Strom. Let's see what we got. What, else did, what else did we miss this week? We uh, beat the Panthers. Uh, well, Vinny Letary is down. He's yep. gone. Yep. Uh, the, the Rangers have called up Steve Fogarty. Uh, I, I like it. That's fine. I'm- yeah, I... I Look, I feel bad for Vinny, to be honest, but that's yeah. You know, that's but at, at some point, at some point, you need to take a step back. Not every player, not every player who's good in the minors is going to be good in the in the majors. Some guys are just quadruple A players, and I think I think Letary is that. And Letary isn't. He's not important enough to the Rangers long term where he should be on the roster eating a spot instead of getting a look at a guy like Fogarty, who yeah. also is twenty five, having well a very. Year. Yeah, he's having a good year in Hartford, and he's a defensive-minded forward who, again, has skill that can play with Lee. Again, if Leah Sanderson's going to be playing on the fourth line, we just need to give him as many skilled players as possible. And it's all about developing the five kids. Yep. That's really it. And, fo- again, Fogarty is better than Cody McLeod. And it, while McLeod will be in tonight's lineup because Zook is still hurt, when everyone's back before we start making these trades, uh, a fourth line of Fogarty and Strom – along with Leas Anderson, if he's only going to play 10 minutes, at least let him play with those guys because they, they can do some things on the ice. No real news on the Zook injury. Just kind of been like, yeah, he's not skating. I think it's a groin injury. Yeah, sorry, uh, but that sucks. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, – I, I didn't notice him much during the Islanders game, which for Zook I guess you can cl- categorize as a little odd. Um, yeah. I'm a, again, guys, regardless of how well the Rangers are playing right now, it's still a rebuilding year. So if a player gets hurt, add an extra week. That seems unnecessary to every injury. Just give these guys extra time to get healthy. It's just not important for them to be in the lineup every night, especially Matt Zuccarello, who is on the trade market. You can't trade a hurt player. So make sure he's fucking healthy. That's really what it comes down to. I think so. Uh, I think we touched everything for the most part. Uh, Booch is still hurt. There's yeah, Booch is still hurt. There. Nothing really there. Rick Nash. Still uh, sh- shocker. Philip Hedl's getting a lot of time on the top line. He's looking fucking great. Huh. Like, what, a, what a surprise that is. What? He scored three. Games again, again, this uh, correlation doesn't doesn't always lead the cause. Like 
there are people who could say, well, he's playing so well on the top line because Quinn sheltered him for the first stretch of the season. Sure, that could be it. Or maybe Filipino was always playing well, but playing with a guy like Cody McLeod every night. So he wasn't getting points. And now you put him with extremely talented players and his underlying numbers are regressing towards the positive place he was all season. Like he could just be having positive regression because he's playing exactly like he's always played. But instead of playing with Cody McLeod and Vinny Letary, he's now playing with Mika Zibanejad and Vlad Nemestikov. Like it, it, what, what a there, weird no concept. Winning. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's crazy, man. Your young player was always playing well, and now he's getting goals because he's playing with other players playing well. What a strange thing. Who would have thought about it? We're actually going to go to our interview with Katie Bakes. Katie Bakes. Big fan of Katie Bakes. She works at ringer.com. We've been following Katie Bakes for a very long time. And she comes I, on. To, I know. I yeah. Know, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, she comes on to uh, talk to us about Henrik Lundqvist, Mike Protessa, and some other stuff. And then we'll come back, hit on our day at the Riveters game, uh, talk a little bit. Nonsense, and then we'll get out of here. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Usually, she also has a she has a low key fun Matt Zuccarello story that uh, oh yeah gets buried a little bit. You guys will love that. All right, here we go. Transition. We're back with a very special guest this week. We have Katie Bakes of the Ringer. dot com. Uh, Katie, what's up? Have, pleasure to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Pretty good. You are a Ranger and Mets fan. I'm not a Mets fan, but this is a pretty much a Ranger and Mets podcast, despite it being Ranger focused. Um, what's it like being tortured your entire life? Well, I first am curious why a non-Mets fan wants to talk about the Mets so much. Oh, I, uh, I, well, great Ra- question. I am, I am a diehard Mets fan, so I force it on Ryan. Okay. Ryan starts every podcast asking me, Greg, how you doing? And it's usually like, well, you know, Chase Utley broke Ruben Tejada's leg three years ago, and that that still wakes me up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, it's kind of that kind of conversation. I started a Ranger podcast that slowly became both. I, <laughs> it reminds me of, like, when people talk about going to their therapist and having to, like, explain to them what Twitter is just in order to, like, get to the point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're probably in the wrong place. And that's exactly yeah. what happens here. It's like, Ryan, this is my Greg impression. Ryan, this Ranger game reminds me a lot of the 2006 Mets team, when they went on this run, blah, 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 Ruben Tejada. And I'm like, okay, whatever, man. I just, well, see, now, now, now that's offensive because you're, mis- you're mixing up errors. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I will say um, a perfect example of how I blend the Mets into everything we talk about on the podcast is Ryan's super excited about the Rangers winning eight of their first 17 games and that apparently being an accomplishment. And I have to remind him, don't forget, the Mets won 11 of their first 12, and you know how that ended. Right, exactly. Well, um, to answer your question about how it feels to live a constant life of misery, I, I would also say that you left out the New York Giants. So that you know, I've <laughs> no, got you got two rings. You're fine. No, no, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, the state of affairs right now, and and I will say, like those championships really they helped me through a lot of tough times. That, um, but but right now, it's like the triple whammy of. David Wright, Eli Manning, Henrik Lundqvist, who I'm sure we're about to talk about more. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's all happening at once, and it's just a lot for me to take. Yeah, let's let's talk about Hank because it's it's been a month, and I'm still not ready to talk about David Wright at all. Um, <laughs> how how are you, are you? I mean, you're a main reason why we wanted you on is because of the article you wrote um, last month on Henrik and his legacy and how he's this pinnacle of Ranger success now having to go through a Ranger rebuild. Um, are you at all emotionally prepared for whatever the end of Henrik Lundqvist is? 
because I get that he's 36 years old, but he's just as good now as he was 10 years ago. I mean, I like I sometimes have this. I don't know. There's something about Lundqvist after, at the end of a game, like when he does like his wave to the crowd or just like his little fist pump that is such a, I mean, I'm sure any goalie like does the same thing, but it's just like imprinted in my mind. And I'm, I have this horrifying mental image of him just waving oh. goodbye one last time with his helmet off. And um, I'm getting a little, a little weepy over Sorry, here just thinking about it. I'm I mean, but it's, it's, it's like, but, but then I think, and I, I kind of grappled with this when I wrote the piece because I like to joke about, you know, free Hank, like, and I know he doesn't want to be freed at this point. Um, but, and then I think, do I really want to see like a Martin Brodeur situation? Although he obviously already had championships just to end his career in such a weird way in St. Louis. And um, so part of me, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I haven't even thought about that aspect of it. It's like, I want, I want him to win a cup or I want him to stay a Ranger, but he can't do both. <laughs> He's come out so far and said that there's no way he'll leave. I'm assuming the Rangers are still going to ask him politely. Like, at the end of every year, they'll be like, Hank, listen, you had a great career here. Are you sure, man? And I, it's, I live with that duality of, do I want him to be a Ranger for life? Or do I want him to win a Stanley Cup? But it's not a guarantee that he'll win a Stanley Cup wherever he goes. But he, exactly. But if he stays here, it's a guarantee he's a Ranger. So I could get one of those things for sure. And it looks like yeah. the one I am getting is that he'll be a Ranger forever. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be interesting to see how they handle the succession. Um, again, you know, having seen this play out to, to some extent with Eli Manning, it's just a delicate balance because, you know, with Eli, like the big problem people had last year wasn't necessarily sitting him. It was that they did it for Geno Smith. You know, yes. it was kind of, so, so that it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of handle their goalie situation because, it, you know, there's still a lot of, it's not like they have, a extremely surefire, um, you know, obviously there's some things to be excited about, but um, there's not like an obvious, okay, this guy's waiting in the wings and so, for, you know, for like one more season. Well, I mean, they have as close as you're going to get in terms of goalie prospects with uh, Shesterkin, who is, right. I think, supposed to come over after this season. Yes, yeah, um, be here next year. So, it, I mean, but it's, it's it, look, if, if Igor wants to come over and play 25, 30 games a year and just learn under Henrik for two years, I'm all for that. Like, there's, there's no rule that says your number one goalie prospect has to play from day one. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I it's can't. Tough, though. It's like he's not, yeah, because they're also, on the flip side, not going to have him. I mean, I, I wouldn't envision them having him come over and immediately unseating Lundqvist, but it, it just does start to create that situation where after every bad goal it's like you know do we sit him now and it's just always after every game it becomes like the heightening story when you get to that you know what is it like the the most popular person in town is the backup quarterback or goalie or whatever it is (laughs) but at the same time I feel like we're so ingrained to blame every bad goal on the shitty ranger defense that I'm I'm not worried about ever having to blame Henrik Lundqvist for anything the only thing I've ever blamed Henrik Lundqvist for is the Rangers' inability to get the number one overall pick because he's just too good. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing. We're doing an awful job at tanking. How have you taken taken the tanking situation since the letter came out? Yeah, I mean it's it's funny this year. It's a, it's just a weird. I feel like it's almost a recent thing with me where I don't mind rooting for the tank. Like I, I think years ago, 
I just would never have been in that frame of mind. But it's it's hard to do, and I have a lot of conflicting emotions. Like, I you know the um, the Sharks game, like when they gave up that goal with uh, a second left, and I was you know kind of oh classic Rangers. I was all I was all pissed, and then I realized, oh wait, this is this could be good. And I think they ended up winning <laughs> winning that game anyway. But yeah, uh-huh. but it was like this funny range of emotions in like the span of two seconds. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't quite know. I, I don't think they're going to stay on this pace, you know, the whole season, um, where yeah. they're a, a wild card bubble team. And I, and I hope they don't, cause that would be kind of the most awkward scenario to be in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been enjoying seeing, you know, the, the development and that sort of thing, but, um, I would, I'm kind of like, if, if you're not going to be a contender, just, and it's not like you have to race to the number one pick or whatever, but um, I would like to see a good, a good setup for the future. Yeah, one of the biggest myths out there, um, and I, I wonder if you see this because you're a little bit detached from the New York scene, obviously being all the way across the country now. Uh, the myth that New York teams can't rebuild because for some reason New York sport fans just aren't patient. Um, I, I personally don't think that's true. I don't, I don't know if that mindset exists outside of New York or if it's just uh, certain sports talk radio hosts that like to bring it up all the time. I mean, like, I feel like I remember hearing that argument back in, like, the 90s. Um, and, and at the time, I think it probably made more sense, and not, not necessarily about the Rangers specifically, but about New York. Because, you know, the Rangers were so good, the Knicks were so good, so they were always in this kind of situation where they had to keep going for it. Um, and the Rangers have sort of been in that situation, you know, in the past what, five, six years as well. Um, but I don't, yeah, I think it's a myth too. I mean, I, I think honestly, the, the fact that the Knicks have primed the city to expect oh, absolutely God. nothing, like, you know, it's not like it's going to be the one team that's going to, um, be floundering. Like if, if they can do a rebuild in less than 13 years, they're already head and shoulders above the Knickerbockers. So, um, I don't really buy that. And I think, um, you know, I I think there's also kind of different types of fans. There's the ones that are podcasting and doing analytics and, um, and on Twitter and, um, you know, really like engaging in discourse and then, there's, there are, I mean, there are the fans that are like trade Lundquist after every bad goal, you know, so maybe those fans would be mad, but I don't necessarily think that they represent like the majority of, of who's going to, you know, pay attention to the team. Yeah, I hope not. Let me just, <laughs> uh, has there, has the New York sports scene ever been this, for lack of a better term, depressing? Like outside of the Yankees and even even including the Yankees, because obviously the Red Sox just won a World Series this year. Uh, if a gun to your head, if you had to say this team is the second best team in all of New York City professional sports, oh you're saying. Um, I mean, like uh, the Islanders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, like, Katie. <laughs> I don't believe it. I swear. Um, yeah, no, I know. I mean, like the the Sam Bradford show <laughs> like or, um Darnold Darnold yeah, yeah. Sam Bradford yeah, that, 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 that was also a mess that would be indicative of, of New York sports right now too um yeah I, it, it's I'm trying to think I mean 
in the early 2000, like when, like kind of that Isaiah Thomas Knicks era, like there was a time when the Knicks and Rangers were both bad. Um, but I'm sure at that point, the Yankees were in the midst of their um, team championships. So, so pretty much any time the Knicks had, the, I mean, the Rangers were bad, they were both bad. Yeah. <laughs> Knicks were last in the 70s. Yeah, I, I, right. can't, I guess if I had a 2004 is bad, right? Because I know the Knicks and the Rangers were garbage. The Yankees blow the 3 0. ALCS yep. to the Red Sox. The the Mets were in year two of Art Howe. Wait, isn't that, so they, isn't they that sure Vinny Testaverde year, though? <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, Jets where, history. Where the Giants, I, I don't know. But like 0405, it was dark. Uh, yeah. And then I I honestly, since then, I, I can't recall a year where I, I, I don't think we're just trying to be funny. I think, gun to our head, the New York Islanders are the second best yeah. professional sports franchise in metropolitan New York. Yeah, I mean, um, I will say I actually am – I'm in a good place with the Knicks at the current moment because they're doing their tank pretty well. And, I, you know, I'm excited about – I don't know. I just feel like – I feel like they legitimately could be in a position to start to um, you know, be good in, in the coming years. Um, and Bill you know, Simmons isn't going to let you say sign Kevin Durant, right? <laughs> if he hears if he hears you say that, we're going to be responsible for you getting fired. And I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not about that. I know. Well, and you know, so so they're they're probably the team that like I'm most kind of just happy go lucky about right now out of all the New York teams, even though you know that's kind of a low bar. What you don't feel great about the Mets hiring an agent to be their general manager? That doesn't do it for you. <laughs> I've always wanted my team's GM to be named Brody, so that, uh, you know this is <laughs> this is exciting for me. It's a great yeah. I was just, yeah. I just wanted Tim Tebow's agent to be in charge of the Mets' future. That's all I really wanted. <laughs> Life's good. Um, uh, Katie, how are uh, has your Ranger fandom changed because you moved halfway across the country? I will say I. Um, I definitely spent, you know, I I guess my closest team. Well, I don't know what would be closer between the Golden Knights and the Sharks, but the Sharks have been, you know, I I think it's fair to say, like, such one of the most consistent teams in the league over the past, like, what, more than a decade or about a decade. So I've started to, you know, watch more of those games. And I think just in general, um, when I was – writing more about hockey in the past when I was at Grantland and um, just being exposed to so many other teams. I started to root for players and, um, you know, interesting people. You know, the Rangers are always first and foremost, but like as an example, when the Capitals won the cup last year, you know, I I, I was psyched. Like I wasn't upset because they're kind of a semi-rival of the Rangers um, because I love Ovechkin and I love Kuznetsov. So um, so there's a little bit more of that, but that said, uh, it's always, you know, if the Capitals were playing the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals or something, I would not be, you know, happy if they won. If they were playing the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals, they wouldn't win. So you wouldn't there's, really have yeah, The Rangers <laughs> always crush the Capitals. The we playoffs. would still be sitting through an overtime somewhere, some game. Yeah. I still relive those moments in my head constantly. Um, I think we'd be making a mistake if we didn't bring up your idol, Mike Francesa. Is that fair? <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, a funny Mike Francesa story is that when I was, I wrote an, I did an oral history of like the Knicks Miami Heat 
uh, playoff brawl, mm-hmm. well, one of the two playoff brawls that they had. And so I kind of just randomly sent an email to like Francesa. I forget how I even procured his email address. Um, and he was like, I'll give you a call. Um, you know, on my way back, like, I think he called me like in the car from a Friday show, like, um, and like <laughs> sitting in the backseat of, you know, his vehicle. And it was a Friday afternoon in the summer and I was at my kitchen table with the phone on speaker, you know, doing the interview. And he was just, it was like having a private show from Mike Francesa. <laughs> and the whole time I was just sitting there like, is this real life? Um, way, way more excited about that than I've ever been to cross paths with like an athlete. <laughs> but yeah, he's a, an interesting figure. I know that the, in the, um, New York sports environment right now, he's getting the sports back pages instead of the teams from what I've, what I've read and seen. Well, he's, you know, he's got a lot of interesting things going on. He built an app for uh, a price that's, you know, pretty, but he's pretty much giving you the same thing he's giving you on the radio, but on an app. And, right. then, and then he's giving you a website. Um, so I wonder, has that changed Francesicon at all? Like the app itself? Is Francesicon still a thing? I don't know. It, it's usually um, it's usually like between the the conference finals and the Super Bowl, or that like the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So I don't know if they're doing one this year or what it's going to be like, or if it's like you know you have to subscribe at the door in order to get it. I'm sure <laughs> show, it's going to be show your app, thing. show your QR yeah. code on your app, and get to Francesca. Uh, well, uh, he said he said the other day that he's going to be doing. Um, like live commentary during, I think starting next week during Monday night football, if memory serves. Excuse me. And I, yeah. And I, but I was just laughing to myself thinking about, and this is one of my favorite things that he does, but you know, when he watches a game during a show and there's just these long silences as he watches and then he remarks, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, like, Oh, like that's the premium app content now. So you know, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see that one. Uh, funny, funny story for both of you about a Francesa con. It was not this year's, but last year's. Uh, I promised my good friend that I would go with him to Francesa con. And I was actually getting all excited about it. Um, turned out my sister was getting married that day. So, <laughs> so I had a hell of a decision to make. Uh, that, that's a tough one. I, I didn't go to Francisco. How was I feel a little shit. dirty about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice meeting you there. Yeah. Um, I will yeah. say, going to Francesicon, like, I think I went to one. I went to, like, the one that he first, like, the first time that he came. and you, um, Did you write a story on that? Yes, right? Yes. I, so I wrote a story on that. But, like, and I said this in the story, like, I really felt, like, more so than any other time in my whole life, I just felt like I was among my people. And it was just the most glorious, weird, beautiful day. Um, and I don't know if that can ever be matched. Like, it's, he, you know, he's gone corporate now. So, you know, I, <laughs> now? But, yeah. Right? <laughs> but but as, uh, as indie fans that were at Francesicon 2 are already getting upset about the prospect of a sellout Francesicon, what, 4? <laughs> I, I will say, I, I know Mike's entire bit has been to just pick fights all the time and it always works for him, but he seems to be more willing to pick fights now, and I don't know why that is. Like, over the last three weeks, he's picked a fight with Andrew Marshan. He's picked a fight with CMB. He tried to embarrass uh, poor Brody Van Wagenen on air <laughs> during his first interview. 
Mike and the only people that Mike isn't picking a fight with are A Rod, James Dolan, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, A Rod and James Dolan. Um, yeah, he. It's like I wonder if someone told him he'll get more Twitter followers or something if he's controversial. His Twitter. I've had, I have very mixed feelings about him joining Twitter. I almost think, like you know, we kind of joke about the app. If he had just done the app and not joined Twitter, I think like he's too close to us on Twitter. It's like, and it's not his world. It's, um, I still enjoy seeing his, his takes because they range from being so basic and then being just like extremely hot takes in, you know, his very kind of Trumpian syntax that he uses on Twitter. Um, but I just, you know, it's like, you don't want to know too much about, you know, the wizard behind the curtain. So never meet your heroes. And when they're on Twitter, exactly. you really learn a lot about them. Oh, it's never, you know, never tweet. It's, <laughs> it's terrible. Greg, Greg. Katie, I, I, uh, uh, I'm not saying anything. I'm staying out of that one. Um, Katie, I got one big picture New York sports question for you that I think might, might be impossible to answer or the answer is really obvious. It's one or the other. Uh, after, I mean, Wright obviously is retired. Eli Manning seems to be following soon after and Hank soon after that. After Henrik Lundqvist, who's there to take the mantle of <laughs> the guy in New York sports? I mean, if if Perzingis ever you was healthy, <laughs> he would he would he would be up he would be up there, but I've just I haven't allowed myself to truly love him yet. I mean, I I, I do love him, but um, I'm just, I'm just too scared to go down that road. I mean, if you're a Jets fan, um, Darnold obviously, um, is exciting, but yeah, it's, it's just, it really just is, you know, these three guys that really are, have, were the faces of their teams for, for a really long time. Um, all of them, I mean, that's kind of what's impressive is, you know, obviously with someone like, right. He wasn't playing the whole time, but just the the number of years that he was the New York Met. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who really like takes up that kind of PR mantle of being the you know, face of the franchise. Are you positive? I feel, I feel it, like... Are you positive it won't be Shaquan Barkley in three years? <laughs> I mean, that that's true. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm so with with running backs and just in general with football. I'm always like he's gonna he's doing you know, he's yeah, gonna, he's he's gonna, something's gonna happen to him t- tonight and that's it like you know it's gonna be like jason seahorn which was a very formative moment for me um when they had him like returning at kicks in preseason and tore his acl and was never the same and yeah that's just it but you know that's true that's it that's a definitely an exciting you know, potential. And then obviously Kevin Durant and <laughs> yeah, obviously Kevin Durant's a Nick next year. That's going to be incredible. <laughs> I, just I, I just, I, I feel like, I, I don't know about you guys. I just, I feel like the guy's Jeff McNeil and we're not talking about him. Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, maybe, this maybe, is what I was talking about. Maybe it's Nylander, you know? <laughs> no, it's, uh, no? Oh, here we go. Don't, you, you, I don't, there's, there's, there's a bag you don't want to open. I, I'm I not just interested. wanted to feed some red meat to the, to the dogs here. It's so. been a really tough day. Oh, that's all I'm <laughs> uh, I guess, I guess, Katie, we can end on this. Um, I, well, I do want to ask, well, like before, we, before we end, Greg, I want to ask sure. you, Katie, uh, how has your impressions of David Quinn been so far as a Ranger fan? I mean, I. <sighs> 
I guess, I mean, I, I'm afraid to even say the other word that um, I know is a frequent topic here. I mean, AV? <laughs> no, I, well, <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, like, it, it seems like he is under scrutiny right now, you know, with his development of HEDL. And I don't know where you guys stand on that. Um, I'm kind of willing to give it a you know, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but I've been seeing headlines that are like, he's failing him. Um, he's supposed to be this, you know, true developer of young talent. And so I, I, I think Ryan and I are uh, annoyed that he sees less than 10 minutes of ice time a night. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think that, but uh, I also think Ryan and I are, we'd be less annoyed if he wasn't playing with a literal shit can and an and a AHL on his wings. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's yeah. So, so that's I, that to me is kind of one of the biggest like, I don't know. That'll be a an ongoing thing this season um, unless something changes. But I don't know. I I think in general I've been fine with him, um, and it doesn't. It seems like it's kind of what was expected. Um, so far it's, it's hard to know because this has been like a weird, a weird tank, like, and it's, un- I just wonder from his perspective, like what his, I don't know. I always wonder how you really coach these situations. Like you, you almost need to be like hamstrung from the top um, institutionally because the coaches and the players in the moment are, aren't going to want to throw the game. So, um, and, you know, I'm sure, you can make the argument that they are that they are being that way, but look, yeah, everyone so, knows the letter was released, and they still have to play hard, like they're not going to get traded. Right. right. But yep. but to your to your point, it's not like the Rangers went out and signed the NHL equivalent of Mario Hazonia and Trey Burke and uh, Luke Cornett in order to <laughs> fill the roster like the Knicks did. Like it's a little easier for the Knicks to lose than it is uh, for the Rangers to lose. Yeah, there's yeah. actually talent on that team. Yeah. Uh, my my last question, Katie, are you going to be all right when Matt Zuccarello is wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey later this year? That <laughs> that's going to be tough. Um, my favorites, like I always love Zuccarello for one of my favorite stories was Jim Dolan told him he was going to like be in Norway for with his band, um, and Zuccarello, I think jokingly was like, oh, you know. I'll see, like, maybe I'll come check it out. And Dolan was like, well, if you want your paycheck, you better. (laughs) 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 So, you know, I'll always have that in my heart. Oh, Um, boy. Chip Dolan is a special man. Yeah, he's, you know, I was thinking, like, I went, I feel like I haven't gone down the road of making the case, but I think a case could be made that in some way, when he interrupted the John Tortorella press conference to you know, proclaim that the Rangers were going to win the cup. I think it was like in 2012, like after mm. they had that winter classic um, in Philly, I think, uh, I, you know, I think he kind of jinxed a lot of things and you just don't, you don't want Dolan taking over the podium. It, it's that there's no way that that's a positive. I mean, it, as a Knicks fan, he's been good for hockey because he doesn't, I feel like he thinks he knows basketball more than he does. So he tries to meddle and with hockey, he just kind of let people do their thing. But um, kind of with you on that, he like he kind of, with the exception of breaking into that press conference, like you noted, uh, he's kind of hands, <laughs> hands off on the Rangers. Like I, I yeah. 
I, I know I, I know a lot of Knicks fans. We're friends with a lot of Knicks fans. I'm so sorry for your tortured existence, but like, I don't. James Dolan's fine. I have no problem yeah. with him. <laughs> he doesn't touch, yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't it's like it's team. like yeah, and I mean, and he's willing to spend money, which is you know not every team has that luxury with their owner. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you had to choose between James Dolan and Fred Wilpon, who are you taking? Right. I mean, I think I'm taking Dolan. Like so. Um, I hate my life. I, yeah. I, <laughs> just, just what a like depressing note to end on. But, um, but yeah, he is, he could be good. I mean, and you know, with the Rangers, I think he just trusted Sather so much, which you could, you know, which isn't, you can make any Sather joke about whether he should have, but, um, but at least I felt like he was just kind of there to provide like funding and support versus, you know, sitting like handpicking his coaches and GMs and, you know, colluding with them and messing everything up and forcing them, them to trade everyone for mellow and, you know, yada, yada. So, yeah, we've all been down that road. Katie, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully you'll come on it again in the future and become a recurring guest. Um, why yeah. Don't, that's why don't you plug uh, the wonderful website you work for on your Twitter? Oh, yeah. Well, I work for theringer.com. Mm-hmm. You can find all sorts of articles on sports and culture and tech and politics. And we've got a million podcasts. A million. Literally. A million. <laughs> million podcasts. I really think we do have a million podcasts. Shea, Shea Serrano um, comes out. It's already out. Villains episode one, everyone. Just a little insight yeah, there. Yeah. It's like we've got an entire podcast about villains. Um, Shay is... An, a peerless human being. I love Shay. So. <laughs> He's the best. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, uh, I also tweet. <laughs> Never tweet. <laughs> Katie Bakes. All right, cool. Thanks so much for coming on. I hope you uh, enjoy our tortured year of, of rebuilding, which is also kind of enjoyable and relaxing. And, um, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like I actually, it, you know, it was kind of nice in the playoffs to just enjoy it, you know, Um and not be like stressed and thinking about the next game and angry about a loss or whatever. So it was kind of a freeing feeling. The only thing I missed was like, there was that extra time off where like, wow, I don't have Ranger hockey for like five months. I know. And it's right when like the daylight savings kicks in. So it's like these perfect nights to just, you know, watch the game and it doesn't get dark yet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All of a sudden I had like all this. uh, Yeah. You're like, what do I do with these new hours of time? Yeah. That's, that's when we, that's when we just decided to do a podcast with our moms because we (laughs) we we had too much free time. Put our moms on. So we did. All right, Katie, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We're back. Katie Banks is the best. I, I have nothing but great things to say about Katie Baker. She's, she's fantastic. I wish I wish uh, I could just hang out with her often because I feel like she always has fun stories. With you. Uh, we went to the Riveters game. And we did. I got to say, embarrassing that we didn't go sooner because it, I, it is I, a wonderful experience. If you and, like hockey and you live near the Devils Arena, which, you know, I'm sorry. But also, Riveters games on Sundays are pretty cheap. They're a good time. The place fills out. The hockey is quality. You're gonna, It's a good-ass time. Beers are $6, by the way. Yeah, tall boys, not yeah. just be, a tall boy PBR is six dollars. Um, yeah, and yeah. not that we had I, any, by the way, because we were media. We, we didn't. We're, we were. Yeah, and we you, were, you broke the cardinal rule. You cheered I, for the goal. I clapped a little bit. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I no, felt bad it, immediately. It uh, obviously, you guys listen to us. You know that we've had Alexa Grushow and Rebecca Russo on this podcast. Yes, sir. And it was it was 
it was fun meeting them uh, after the game. Riveters lost the Heartbreakers, so they were kind of not happy, and we can tell. Yeah, uh, we didn't want to push. We just said hello. No, yeah, it was, it was, sure kind, it was kind could, enough for them to even come up to want. us yeah. and, you know, put a face to a voice and all that good shit. Mm-hmm. But, dude, those games are great. And I, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's the perfect venue for it because they, they packed the fucking house. Like, yes, it's not that big of a house. It's probably, I, I think you can get like 2,000 people yeah, in there. Probably. But they fucking pack it up. And it's a fun environment. And everyone's and got jerseys. They're all signed. It's awesome. It's so nice watching hockey without TV timeouts. Like, I'm, I'm, it was just continuous fucking action. Like, each period, 20-minute periods took about 25 minutes to play. And I just can't tell you how just refreshing it is. And it is just nonstop fucking action. Uh, Alexa, who was last year's MVP, we knew she was good. Seeing her in person, I know I was going out of my way to watch her a little bit more closely because I was just very interested to see how she played. Monster. She's just a – she's a monster. She's a monster. <laughs> she, the Connecticut Whale are having a great season, and well, they couldn't they're stop one, Alexa. They're one and three now, so, you know. It's fine. They're playing well. They're playing well. They couldn't stop Alexa. Alexa was just slice, slicing her way through the defense as if it was just not fucking there. And these are some talented – women who were playing against her too. And, and, and the Riveters are, are down their three best players. So including Amanda they're, they're, Kessel. We, it, it was a bummer we didn't get to see Amanda Kessel, but um, I mean, we're going back. Like I'm not worried about seeing her again. Uh, Russo, who we've had on this podcast too. Uh, I, I told you and I told our friend Jeff, who was also at the game with us. She just looks like a fucking hyper version of Theo Fleury. Like she was on the ice for what felt like 35 minutes. And she was just as electric in the third period as she was in the first. I don't know how she does it. I was exhausted watching her. She constantly, I think we, we said to her after the game, what did you, skate like 35 minutes? She said it fucking felt like it. <laughs> like she, she, she was pissed that they lost because uh, just a classic fucking Ranger fashion loss too. Uh, gave up the go-ahead goal with a minute 21 left in the third period. It's heartbreaking. And it's extra frustrating. I, you feel for the Riveters because uh, there was a moment in the third period where... Oh, my God. This was brutal. Um, yeah, Madison, Madison Packer, who probably was easily one of the three best Riveters on the ice, uh, she was on a fast break, and you can see that the whale panicked, and they had about two extra defensemen jump on the ice in an attempt to stop the fast break, and Packer was just by all of them. And for whatever reason, the ref blew the play dead, even uh, though... Uh... Too many players on the ice. It, yeah. But that's not what you do with the too many men on the ice penalty. You you call the penalty, and until the play stops, you don't yep. stop the play. Exactly. Uh, the, Riveters, the Riveters bench was pissed. I thought Packer was going to rip the head off of the official. To the official's credit, um, it looked like she said that it was an inadvertent whistle, but uh, you can tell that the momentum was kind of sucked out of the building at that point because Absolutely. Madison, Madison Packer on a fast break, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed goal, but – I would have been very surprised if the Riveters didn't score there. If you do get a chance, they're not paying us to say this. They're not. We they're do not. not have. We do not have any kind of uh, partnership not, not with the Ribs. I, by the way, if they want to have a partnership with us, by all means, I will do twenty minutes on the Riveters on every podcast. I yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk off air, but yeah, um, I, I... It, it's a it's if you're a hockey fan and if you're listening to this, ninety nine percent of you are. The other one percent are just waiting for me to say something about the Mets. Uh, yeah, go to go to a ribs game. 
Or if, if, if you'd rather uh, the whale play in Stanford, and that's an easy train ride yeah, it's super from fun. New York City. The games are super fucking fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's a more family-oriented crowd, so don't expect to go to these games and get, like, Shit fucking face. plastered. Yeah. But, look, if you like hockey, you're not going to get more bang for your buck Absolutely than an not. NWHL game. Those, you're, you're right on the fucking ice. Like, that's the best part about it. We were basically smelling center ice. You can smell the bench, for real. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's finish up with a little bit of housekeeping for Blue Shirts Breakaway. Sure. Uh, we got housekeeping? Yeah, January 12th. Oh, yeah, off- that's coming up. Off- yeah, baby. At Offside Tavern, Rangers Islanders, 2 p.m. Well, 2 p.m.? Yeah, 2 p.m. 1 p.m. 1 p.m. Yeah, 1 p.m. The, Riv- the Riveters game was 2 p.m. Yeah, you're right. I was like, uh, 1 p.m., come drink with me and Greg. It's about the Gotham guys. See, uh, That'll be super fun. And then... Uh, Tickets for that will be available, I'm guessing, uh, probably after next, the Thanksgiving prob- holiday. Probably next week. And then also, if you want a Christmas sweater, become a Patreon now because they are going quick. We have a lot of requests for those, and they are super limited. All right, other than that, uh, I do have a quick five-star question I forgot to read last week. I want to get out of the way. And, Hit me. And then uh, this guy says, Eric from New Jersey met Greg and Ryan at the Rangers Forum. Never listened to the podcast before. Ryan kept saying he'd win me and my friend over. I did. I did say that. <laughs> they have a solid show. The guys, uh, the, they have great guests. They talk about issues true Ranger fans care about uh, and do so in a fun way. Definitely check out this podcast. Transition next podcast is how to a better skating skater than Derek Stepan. Curious to hear what your take is. Eric from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say no. I think. Not yet. It's one of those weird things with Stepan where um, I think he's, he's, he's both being underrated by Ranger fans post-trade and no, he's just being underrated by Ranger fans post-trade. I, I think uh, for whatever reason, Ranger fans didn't realize that he was a perfectly capable and talented number one center while he was here. And I, it's, it's lucky the Rangers have a guy like Mika Zibanejad and it's lucky the Rangers are getting this kind of production from Kevin Hayes now because Derek Stepan is, one of the 30 best centers in this league. And if you want to compare him to Brett Howden, maybe one day, as well as the 20 year old has been playing as a rookie, he's still just a 20 year old rookie. And Derek Stepan is a force, like a straight up force. It's, it, it, it's a bummer that we're actually not getting to watch Derek Stepan right now. At the same time, uh, it just wouldn't fit with our timeline. That's yeah, it it the right he's he, it would be difficult. It, I mean, we're having a hard enough time trying to think of do we keep Kevin Kevin Hayes for the long term? I or do, do we trade him? It makes you wonder what would happen if we didn't try the rebuild, but it would have just been sad. I know it would have been. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes you think of what last year would have been like, right? Because you would have had Zibanejad step on Hayes as your third line center. Mm-hmm. Um, we wouldn't have ever been in a situation where David Dayarnay was getting fucking significant ice time well i mean it's elaine vino he still might have yeah it's his boy uh yeah it, it it does make you think at the same time derek stepan doesn't play defense well he's a good two-way forward i shouldn't say that but i'm like he's, he's not good. a defenseman he's yeah he's very good uh, forward. yeah it, it it's interesting i don't think the rangers are necessary they're they're a better team last year they finished the season with 77 points though like how much better does derek stepan make them i think maybe six points maybe if maybe that- yeah, like I, I still don't see how the Rangers, given just how fucking putrid their defensive lineup was by the end of the season, 
I don't see how any player gets that team above 85 points. The big what if, the all-time what if is Strawman, isn't it, for us? Yeah, that's I'd the, say that's so. Probably the just one. just because the the Rangers got out on Strawman. Like Strawman now is obviously not what he would have been, but the last 4 years of Strawman, I think of every think of every Dan Girardi minute going to Anton Strawman. And then think of every, Dan Girardi actually playing a role that suits his abilities, which is on the third line, which is what He's doing with the lightning uh, right now. Probably and, another deep playoff run from us. So we'll get into that another time. Or or more, man. I don't know. It, it, I'm not saying Anton Strawman was the most important Ranger we ever saw. But at the same time, if you have Strawman, do you make the Yandel trade? If you don't make the Yandel trade, what's Anthony Duclair's projection like as a New York Ranger? There, it, It's... It's a big I, I like I, I like pulling at the the threads of what one move, how much different everything else could be, just because it's a it's a fun game to play. Like you and I do it all the time with baseball moves. Oh, constantly. Um, so it, like it, it's fun to think of the what if. If like what if the Rangers never traded Anton Strawman? Do we eventually get to the question of do they ever trade Derek Stepan? And maybe not. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, let me put it this way: if they had Anton Strawman, I don't know if they necessarily target Tony D'Angelo in that trade. I'm not sure Shattenkirk signs here either. Maybe not. Or maybe, or maybe Shattenkirk does, and the Rangers just use him as a, as what they should have done with Keith Yandel, which is basically lower pairing defender and power play specialist. Well, I hope we have a great week, everyone out there. If you're in America, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Eat way too much. I'm going to be tracking my weight from now till I get back from Europe. I'm hoping to put on ten pounds. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, everyone, stay safe out there. Do not drink a drive. It's a terrible idea. And we will you. we will hunt you down and kill you if you drink and drive. For sure. Uh, a beer's fine. Two beers questionable. Three beers don't drive. There you go. I love you all. Talk to you soon. Let's go Rangers.